Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me on another weekly pop culture deep dive. I am so excited to have everyone here. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in so long, even though it's just been a week, but I miss you guys, and I'm so excited that we're back in the deep end. This week has just been crazy because it's been really, really busy at work and also just really, really slammed with homework for business school. So I've just been trying to stay on surface level and keep my head above water. But right now I'm ready to dive in, break from reality, take a nice deep dive into pop culture. So I love doing diving board. It's like my little escape. So I hope everyone feels the same way. And I'm really excited to get into this week's episode because This particular topic is definitely a pop culture cornerstone of the early 2000s. And the early 2000s are definitely, early 2000s pop culture especially, is my expertise, definitely my forte. I mean, if you were to look inside the insane psyche or my mind, I just basically replay the decade of the early 2000s on a constant loop 24-7 in my mind. So it is a wondrous miracle that I get anything productive done whatsoever, but somehow we manage. But I love thinking about the early 2000s. It's truly probably my favorite decade, you know, my formative years. They mean a lot to me. So this particular deep dive is super, super interesting because like I said, it was just such a major part of the early 2000s and I am so excited to get into it filled with fun and sex and scandal and a lot of tea to spill, trust me. So without further ado, I invite you to come on to my house to my house. I'm gonna give you candy. This is the deep dive of the girls next door. Now, before I take it from the top, I just wanna make a couple disclaimers. The first one being that this particular deep dive is going to focus on the show from seasons one through five. I'll be honest, The show pretty much ended for me when the three original women left. I didn't really watch season six, and I don't think a lot of us did. So we're not going to be deep diving a lot of what happened that season or the women on that season. Of course, they'll be sprinkled and mentioned here and there because they are still part of the story, but they're not going to be an integral part of this deep dive. So if you are interested in Crystal Harris and the Shannon twins, I'm sure there are many podcasts and YouTube videos covering that. Uh, You just won't find it here on the Diving Board podcast. Also, in this deep dive, I'm going to be focusing on the actual show and the three women's individual experiences in the mansion. Um, I'm not really going to be diving into Playboy itself or Hugh Hefner and the heinous things that he's done to a lot of women in the past. It's really just going to be focused on the three original women and what they say and their accounts of during, uh, during this time. A&E has an amazing docu-series going on right now called Secrets of Playboy, and it's very dark, it's very heavy, but it's also very, very interesting to hear all of these women's stories. Um, Like I said, if you want more information on that, definitely check that out. 
but that is an 11 part series and I just don't have the capacity to do that on the Diving Board Podcast. So we are going to leave that to the professionals. And I definitely recommend checking out that series if you're more interested in that. But we're just going to be talking about the girls next door. So, of course, this is the Diving Board Podcast. So we are going to take it from the tippity top. What was the girls next door? Well, The Girls Next Door was a reality show on the E! Network that debuted on August 7, 2005, and the show chronicled Playboy mogul and editor-in-chief Hugh Hefner and his life in the Playboy Mansion with his girlfriends Holly, Bridget, and Kendra. And the show, actually the original concept by Kevin Burns, he was the producer all throughout The Girls Next Door. He wanted it to be called Hef's World. He really loved Hugh Hefner. And he wanted a show that kind of chronicled Hef's life with his friends, his life in the mansion, and and how he interacted with whoever he was dating at the time, the multiple women he would date at once. But after they actually took some time to interview the three women that Hef was dating, they shifted the narrative and wanted the show to be seen from the perspective of the women, of Hef's girlfriend. So we actually saw the show through their eyes as opposed to just being focused on Hef's world. And growing up in the early 2000s and late 90s, it was always understood that Hef just had a bunch of girlfriends. Every time you saw Hugh Hefner in any type of red carpet, he was just flocked by all of these young women. They were always blonde and they were always really tan. And he always just had a bunch of women on his arm. And it was always said that those, all of those women were his girlfriends. But he didn't always have a girlfriend. He actually was married all throughout the 90s, pretty much. He was married to a woman named Kimberly Conrad, and they actually had a seemingly monogamous relationship until they separated in 1998. And once they separated, Hef definitely made up for lost time. I remember there was an episode of MTV Cribs growing up of the Playboy Mansion, and they would interview all of the girlfriends, and it was just understood that a bunch of these women lived with Hef. And everyone was just like, really happy and really beautiful and really smiley and it just seemed like they really all just enjoyed being with Hugh Hefner and he really was kind of that enigma of the world of like this is the only guy in the world who can get away with this and I don't know if you guys watch um, Sex in the City but there's an episode in season three where Samantha spots Hef at a party in Los Angeles and he's actually dating the Bentley twins at the time because that was kind of the groundbreaking thing he started dating twins and they're with him at this party and Samantha goes up to him and she's all like fangirling over him and she says, oh, being surrounded by three blondes, this is just a regular day for you. And he goes, a slow one. And it's funny and it's just understood that Hef is always surrounded by all of this, these women. And really the brilliance of The Girls Next Door, however, even though people were interested in Hugh Hefner's world and what went down at the Playboy Mansion, it was the fact that we got to see behind the gates of honestly the most iconic 
party palace there ever was. And we got to see it through the eyes of the girlfriends. We didn't see it through the eyes of you know this 78-year-old man. We saw it through the young women who were experiencing the life in the mansion, which was a totally different perspective. And I really think was such a brilliant move in what made the show so interesting and so iconic and really just a runaway hit. And you might ask yourself, like, could a show be like this today? Like, could we have a show like this? And I think in some ways, yes, we could, because I think people are always going to be interested in polyamory. If you look at TLC, you know, there's Sister Wives that has been on television for the last 15 years, or they're seeking Sister Wives on TLC. People are always going to be interested in that life of polyamory because it's different and it's different than what we know. And that's why we watch reality television, right? So that we can live vicariously through other people's lives. Like that's why we watch The Housewives so we can see the lives of these wealthy women in cities all over the world, just so that we can get a glimpse into their life without actually having to live that life. You know, we live vicariously. So I do think a show like this could be on today. What I do think would be a bigger issue post Me Too, thankfully, is that the age difference with Hef and the girlfriends would definitely be more of an issue. I mean, looking back now, it's really gross and very predatory just seeing Hef and these women. I mean, if you look at Hef and Kendra, for example, they were 60 years apart. He was 79 and she was 19 when they met. So that is very, very predatory behavior and almost kind of grooming. And uh, yeah, I don't think that would fly today, thankfully. I think the society has evolved past that and that would definitely raise more red flags. So let's dive in of who the girlfriends were. Like I said, there were three girlfriends that they showed all throughout the show. And the main girlfriend was Holly Madison. She was Half's number one girl. And she actually grew up in the Pacific Northwest and moved to LA because she really wanted to become an actress. She really wanted to be in Playboy. She wanted to be a model. So she moved to LA to pursue those dreams. And Holly was really, really trying to give a solid go at it trying to survive in LA. And she was trying to make ends meet when she was a waitress at Hooters, but she proved that it's very kind of difficult to stay afloat in a city like Los Angeles. And she was actually invited to a party at the Playboy Mansion. And back then, it was really exclusive to actually get invited to a party and to be behind the gates. You had to know someone or someone had to approach you and invite you to the party. In like 2010, 2011, when Playboy started going downhill and they needed money, they would start selling tickets to people to go to the Playboy Mansion and the parties kind of became less exclusive but back then it was an exclusive invite to go to the playboy mansion and she started kind of going out with half and the girlfriends and soon after she started going out with them she had lost her lease and was like couch surfing crashing on friends couches so she so she did not have a place to stay so she thought, okay, I've been going out with Hef and the girlfriends a lot, and I'm just going to ask Hef if it's okay if I live here for a little bit. And he said, 
okay, you know, we'll give it a few weeks and we'll see how it works out. And in 2001, Holly moved in at 22 years old for the mansion. She actually lived there for seven years. But in the beginning, Holly had a really rough go at it because when she first moved into the mansion, that was when Hef had that big gaggle of girlfriends, you know, seven girlfriends, and they were all in the magazine and they all were really catty and competitive. So she said life in the mansion was not that enjoyable to put it lightly with all of these different women. But she said when Bridget Marquardt came around, that's when things started to get a lot better because she became really close with her. And Bridget was kind of second in line and she was actually the oldest of the crew. She came in to the group of girlfriends in 2002 at the age of 29. And Bridget came from Lodi, California, and she always dreamed of being in Playboy. She had tested twice for the magazine, but she wasn't chosen. It wasn't successful. Uh, Bridget was extremely educated, and she actually had a master's degree in communication. So super impressive. We love an educated queen here on the Diving Board Podcast. And she became a regular at the mansion and eventually was invited to become one of the girlfriends. Now, Bridget also came in and had to kind of endure that gaggle of girlfriends that have had and all of the drama that came along with being a part of that group. But it didn't really last long because after about only a year, the last two women standing were Holly and Bridget. And Holly loved it because she had endured so many years of dealing with those women, but she got along with Bridget because Bridget's so sweet. Who doesn't like Bridget? And they just really, really enjoyed each other's company. But Hef knew that he had to bring in another girl because things were just a little bit too harmonious and peaceful in the mansion for Hef's liking. So that is where Kendra Wilkinson came in. And like I said, Kendra was only 19 and from San Diego when she was actually invited to work as a painted lady at one of the Playboy Mansion's parties. And Hef would hire these women to walk around at parties and serve drinks and they would be completely naked, but they were covered with paint. And the story goes that when they were recruiting girls to be painted ladies, Kendra's picture was printed off in Hef's office and he saw it and he immediately was just enamored with her and really, really wanted to meet her when she came to the Playboy Mansion. And according to Kendra, when she was being painted by the artist, Hef immediately came down and introduced him to, uh, himself to her and immediately said, I want you to consider being one of my girlfriends. And she said that he just followed her around all throughout the party that night saying, I really want you to be my girlfriend. I really want you to be my girlfriend. And part of me doesn't think that's true. I can't really see Hef chasing this girl around a party asking asking her to be his girlfriend. And Holly also says that is not how things went down. She said to become one of Hef's girlfriends, I mean, you really had to be initiated into the group and how you became initiated was sleeping with Hugh Hefner. So she said that's exactly what happened that night, that after the party, they went into Hef's room and Kendra had sex with him. So she likes to say that that that's not how it happened and he just immediately asked her but I tend to believe Holly just because that's how it was for every single woman who went through the Playboy Mansion doors. 
but Hef was really, really enamored with the fact that Kendra was so young and she actually was a stripper at the time. But the guy who was painting her said, tell Hef you're in college because he does not like strippers. Which is so strange to me because Playboy, for some reason, looks down on strippers and likes to portray a more wholesome image, which is kind of an oxymoron. But he was really, really into the fact that Kendra was so young. Holly said he always just loved people to look as young as possible. And it's so creepy because even like when I look back of when I was in 19 or 20, all of these 40 year old men would always want to hang out with my friends and I. And it's just so creepy when I think back of that, because even at 30 years old, thinking about hanging out with a 19 year old boy, I don't know what we would even talk about. It, it's just two totally different worlds. But of course you just get the like, you're so mature for your age and you're such an old soul. And ladies, especially very young women, if any man ever tells you that I can connect with you, eat despite your age, or you're very mature for your age, run. Head for the hills and do not look back. Nothing good is ever going to happen. They That's very much grooming behavior. I think about one time my friend, we were like 20, I think we were 19. And she used to go over to this like 40-year-old guy's house and I would go with her, just like sit and watch music videos and watch them play video games. And he also had this other 40-year-old friend who would always wear his rollerblades in the house and just rollerblade all through the house on like the tile and the wood floors and just do laps over and over and over. And we would just sit there and watch this 40 year old guy like <laughs> rollerblade throughout his house, like smoking a cigarette while doing it. Like what was that? Was that my version of the Playboy Mansion? Ugh. It's just a dubious honor. It was a weird time. But like I said, if any 40-year-old guy is telling you that you're mature for your age, run by. But that was very much Hugh Hefner. He really wanted just young women. He wanted to keep them young. And he wanted to think that these women, especially these young, beautiful women, still desired him even though he was 80 years old. And when I read articles about The Girls Next Door, they definitely talk about how Kendra was the funnest one to watch on the show. And that is true. She really kind of took that experience and ran with it and did what any 19-year-old girl would do in the Playboy Mansion where you're living rent-free and you're going to parties and you're having a good time. And she really just loved the experience. But I do think that her age definitely served as an advantage because when you're a little bit older and you have a little bit more life experience, you tend to become not as trusting and more kind of trepidatious and don't kind of take things at face value. So I think that's what the other girls were a little more distrusting of the entire situation and saw for what it was. But Kendra really just had the fun mentality of it. And also, I will say, looking back on it, Kendra definitely was favored. Like, Hef let her get away with, honestly, so much. And Holly says that, too, because she said that Kendra definitely 
she did have she was rougher around the edges and she was kind of unsophisticated but because of this this gave her a very fearless and almost entitled nature she wasn't afraid to speak her mind and Hef knew if he really kept her on such a tight leash that she would leave so he knew that he kind of had to lighten up the reins for Kendra or she would be out of there and while Kendra represents everything fun that's in the mansion, Holly definitely represents all of the downfalls of living in the mansion. Like I mentioned, Holly was Hef's quote, number one girl. And you would think, okay, if I'm Hef, Hugh Hefner's main girlfriend, this came with so many perks, but it honestly didn't. It came with no extra perks than what the other girls were already getting. It actually was more of a downfall because if Hef wanted you to be his number one girlfriend, you actually didn't get a room anymore. You didn't get your own room and you had to move in and sleep in the same bed with Hef. So not only are you getting the same perks, you're not getting anything extra. Instead of having your own bed, you have to sleep next to a like human potato every night. So <laughs> like, this does not sound appealing. And living in Hef's room that also doubled as his office. So you truly had absolutely no privacy. Holly said that there was people just coming in and out of the room all the time. And that would drive me insane. You know, I'm a Leo and I need my alone time. I would go berserk after maybe two days. I would have a mental breakdown. And Holly had a mental breakdown a few times. And every time she asked Hef, can I talk to a therapist? He, he would always say, if you talked to a therapist, the only thing that they're going to tell you is to leave the mansion. So if you need to talk to somebody, talk to Mary O'Connor. Do you remember Mary from the show? That was half secretary. So he said, if you have any need to talk to anyone, always talk to Mary. But I mean, Holly was a really, really great number one girlfriend for a long time because she truly did love Hef. And Hef was really impressed with the way that Holly could follow the rules of being his girlfriend. And you might be asking yourself, wait, 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 rules? And yes, there were set rules to being Hugh Hefner's girlfriend. Remember that show? I think it was, what, eight simple rules to dating my teenage daughter? Well, this is the uh, eight simple rules to dating an 80-year-old man. <laughs> Dear God. My goodness, I can't. I can't. So number one, there was a 9 p.m. curfew. If you went out without Hef by your side, you had to be home by 9 p.m. And that was such a strict curfew. Other girlfriends in the past said that if you were even home by 9.02, you'd be sleeping on the lawn. Like he took that so seriously. And Hef himself said he instilled a curfew so that the women wouldn't play around and they couldn't meet anybody. I mean, this is LA. What's happening before nine o'clock? Nothing. I mean, you're not going to, it would be very, very difficult to meet someone and still be back before curfew if you wanted to go clubbing. And this was a really, really serious rule to have. He took this 9 p.m. curfew so seriously. Even when they were filming the show and they would go somewhere to film, they still had to be home before 9 o'clock because they were without half. 
there's an episode where the three girls go to Bridget's hometown, Lodi, in California, and that is a five and a half hour drive from Los Angeles. So they had to make that a day trip because Hef didn't want them sleeping overnight. So they had to leave early, spend a few hours in Lodi, and then drive back so that they could be home before the 9 p.m. curfew. I mean, that's how serious this was. And he also just did not want them to stay overnight without him. And Holly said if you would ask, he would legitimately throw a tantrum, start fake crying, stomping his feet like a little kid. Like, could you imagine an 80-year-old man having a temper tantrum in front of you? Like, <laughs> I would be like, wake me up. What fresh hell is this? Like, how do they just not laugh in his face? I would be laughing the entire time. And Holly says that you were strongly encouraged not to have friends over and you really couldn't see your family unless it was a big family event. Even Bridget says in one episode, you know, I don't see my mom as much as I'd like. And because it was so hard to get away from the mansion, you were really sequestered there. Even though you were getting technically free room and board, that was at what cost, honestly. Another rule is that girls could not have side boyfriends. Even though Hef could play around with as many women as he wanted, they could not talk to other men. But Holly says that for the entire time she was at the mansion, only her and Bridget actually abided by this rule. She said every other girl had a side boyfriend and Kendra was actually engaged before she left the mansion. So not many girls abided by this rule. But I mean, that's that's the misogyny of it all, that Hef could have all these girlfriends and screw whoever he wanted if the Viagra was kicking in that night, but they were not supposed to be with any other man because who would want, you have Hugh Hefner, why would you ever want to be with any other guy? Hard. Another rule of being the girlfriend is that you would get a weekly clothing allowance of $1,000 and Hef would pay this to you all in $100 bills cash. And you really were encouraged to spend every bit of this amount per week. You are not supposed to save any of this. And honestly, if you looked like you weren't expensive enough and that you weren't spending all of that clothing allowance, a lot of half staff would look and be like, okay, I know how much that costs. I know how much that costs. You're not spending this this entire sum of money every week. So they would go back to half and be like, don't give her as much money because she's not spending it all. And also girls said that this was a really demoralizing experience to ask Hef for this allowance every week because he would take this time to kind of air his grievances about anything that he had regarding you as a girlfriend, like if you weren't coming to his weekly bedroom parties or weren't present enough, he would really be airing those grievances to you just when you had to collect this money, which is demoralizing as it is, to be honest. But like I said, you had to spend it so frivolously. I mean, Holly says that she saved a good portion of it, but it was really, really highly discouraged. Another rule was no red lipstick. Well, for some people, because there was always double standards in the mansion, but Holly said one time she came down and she had cut her hair and she had styled it like Marilyn Monroe and she had wore red lipstick and Hef had a fit. He said, you look old, you look hard, you look cheap. I hate this look, take it all off. And she said that when Kendra first moved into the mansion, she came down with red lipstick 
And Bridget and Holly were like, oh no, Hef's gonna have a fit. But the first thing he said was, oh my, oh my gosh, that red lipstick looks beautiful on you, Kendra. So there was definitely a lot of double standards, but that also goes into the point that Hef loved to pit the girls against each other. He just loved the drama. If anyone was getting along too, too well, he hated it. He lived for the fact that he could kind of ruffle feathers. And he also loved the fact that potentially these young, beautiful women would be fighting over him. Another rule was that if Hef or his friends were speaking, the women must remain quiet because Hef in his mind is so misogynistic and think if the men are talking, the women should be seen and not heard. Uh, the girls also were not allowed to have their own apartments. They needed to stay in the mansion and they also needed to be blonde. Hef had a running tab at a salon in Los Angeles and the girls were encouraged to go there often. And Hef really, really was serious about keeping up appearances and he also offered to pay for any plastic surgery that the girls needed and holly definitely took part in this i know kendra took part in this holly got a nose job while she was at the mansion and she looks totally different than when she started so half definitely was willing to pay for plastic surgery and finally, the biggest rule of being a girlfriend at the mansion is that you had to abide by Hef's schedule. And since he is a very, very older gentleman, a lot of his life is scheduled out and he likes to do the same things planned out on each day of the week. Sundays were fun in the sun Sundays. It was a pool party and a screening of a new release in the mansion movie theater. There were manly night Mondays where Hef's friends would come over for dinner and they would play cards. And of course the women couldn't speak unless they were spoken to. There was family night Tuesdays where Hef's ex-wife Kimberly Conrad and their two sons would come over and could you imagine like just these little kids coming over with all of his girlfriends running around? Creepy. Um, and on Thursdays were off days and there was movie night Saturdays where a buffet dinner and a screening of an old movie in the mansion theater. So you might be wondering, okay, what happens on Wednesdays and Fridays? Well, these were club nights and Hef was really, really into clubbing. He actually was pretty much a homebody all through the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. But once he got divorced and his friends convinced him to go out, he loved the attention that he got. So he made sure that he went out clubbing twice a week. And it was what happened after you came home from the club that was exceptionally creepy because after you got home from the club, you had to kind of participate in Hef's bizarre sex ritual, which is where the girlfriends and whichever women were hanging out with them and hanging out with the group at the time would go into Hef's bedroom and basically take rounds of sleeping with him. And you had to do this. If you wanted to be involved, this was an unfortunate prerequisite. Hef would take his Viagra and do his thing with all of these women. And Kendra and Holly talk about this. Bridget doesn't talk about it that much, but they said that they had to be very, very drunk and very, very high to get through this. Could you imagine? Like... Is it worth it? Honestly, I don't know. The older I get, the appeal of a sugar daddy is 
much, much less appealing. Like, I'll just make my own money and buy what I want. Is it worth doing this? And no judgment to whoever makes that decision and wants to be in that type of situation. But, oh boy, I, I'm just going to leave it there. And honestly, despite all of this, because they didn't show this on the show, what you had to abide by by half and all of the weird rituals that you had to participate in, that wasn't talked about publicly. So the show really did make the mansion seem like it was just a utopia, that being one of Hef's girlfriends was like winning the lottery and then some. Because even now knowing the hardships of living at the mansion and I mean, I've read about for years when, what went on behind closed doors, I still get sucked into that show. It just portrayed like the most fun life. You spent like all of your days going to the salon, going shopping, working out, laying by the pool, you know, planning parties. You know, they had like their murder mystery parties or that fight night party where Kendra <laughs> kept mistaking the, man the mannequin as like a cute guy. Like she kept checking out the mannequin. She's like, damn, who is that? And like, it was just fun because you just see all these big parties and there's all these celebrities and you got to see all the exotic animals in the mansion. The mansion is actually, I think the only private residency, residency in Los Angeles that had a zoo license. So there were so many different exotic animals. I personally wouldn't have enjoyed all of the exotic birds walking around. I'm not a fan of birds, but they're very cool to see. And you would see Bridget's dog and when they hired the ghost detective. And I don't know, it just seemed like the funnest life where all you really did was lay around and go to the salon and go to parties and have fun. And that really is what it portrayed. It made it seem like the mansion was just a 24 seven party. You could, you had staff, you could order food from the kitchen anytime you wanted. You could call 24 seven, just call into the kitchen and be like, Hey, uh, can I get a pizza? And they would bring it up to your room, which I mean, that's a dream in itself. Could you imagine? And Hef would also give really expensive cars to the girls. So they would always be driving the latest really expensive car, but he was not stupid. All of these cars were leased so that, you know, he wouldn't give an expensive car to a girl and she would drive off the next day in it. And because the show was so fun and portrayed this amazing lifestyle and we got to see this just idealistic lifestyle of the Playboy girlfriends and of course Hugh Hefner, it became a runaway hit. And it really came at the perfect time because in the early 2000s, especially in America, we were obsessed with that unfortunate, you know, dumb blonde routine where I don't know why we all thought that was like peak comedy for women to pretend they were really stupid. Like everyone loved newlyweds Nick and Jessica where, where Jessica Simpson would pretend to be so dumb to the point it was like an alarming stupidity where it's like, how have you even gotten this far in life? But people thought it was just hilarious. We loved The Simple Life, which I actually really liked that show because that was a genuinely funny show. And The Girls Next Door really kind of fit into that mold because Kendra would kind of play the fun, airhead, dumb blonde routine, and she made for reality television gold. And just the dynamic of the girls was so fun to watch because you had Kendra, who was the fun one, and Bridget, who was the career-driven one, 
and Holly, who was just seemingly so in love with Hef. And I love the show still to this day. It's like my comfort show that I watch when I'm going to sleep because it really is like a sitcom. You can play that show at any episode, at any season, and you don't feel like you're out of the loop on everything. And there really isn't a show like that anymore. And the first season was immediately expanded from eight episodes to 15 episodes. And the second season was watched by a record 1.6 million people. And it actually topped itself in season three, which was watched by 2.16 million people. The Playboy brand honestly was hotter than ever. And it actually gave a resurrection to a brand that was seemingly past its prime. And the Playboy brand actually became more of a family household name because this show even though it had so many sexual innuendos in it it really was so cartoony and so fun and had just an innocence to it that made it really really family friendly so even though the show was such an amazing runaway hit the only person who saw a paycheck for their participation in the show that first season was the human potato himself, Hugh Hefner, because of course, right? Um, Kendra was actually the only person who spoke up that first season and kind of said, hey, I mean, shouldn't we get paid for being in the show? And the producers did not like that question. And they sternly told the women very slowly and concisely and loudly so that they would get the point across, you are replaceable. And he wanted everyone to know that the show was about Hef and the women he chooses to date. Hef himself said that he could choose any three pretty blondes and splash them on screen next to him and the show would become an immediate hit, which um, <laughs> Mr. Potato, clearly that was not the case because the second the three original girls left, the show got canceled. We watched for the girls. I mean, the girls next door viewership was 70% women. So clearly we liked seeing life through their perspective. We loved seeing what they did and that's what made the show a hit. Nobody was talking about half. And it's a shame because Hef was such a misogynist and such an egomaniac that he could not sit down and give these women credit for resurrecting his brand, producing a hit show, and really putting him back on the map for an entirely new, younger generation. And it's a shame because if you look at a show like, for instance, Rock of Love, I remember in the season one reunion, Ricky Rackman is telling Brett Michaels of how successful the show is, and look, you're on a hit show, and Brett himself says, he's like, it's not not me who made this show a hit. It's these women. All of the, the people tuned in to see these women and how the antics they got into every week and how they interacted with each other. They made the show. And that is exhibit A of why we stan Brett Michaels in this household. So <laughs> like, honestly, if you want a rock of love deep dive, I could go on and on. Maybe that will be the 11 part mini series on the diving board podcast, just <laughs> about each season of Rock of Love through and through. Trust me, I could talk for hours. But Hef did not want to admit that. He thought, I made this show, any woman could be on this, and people would still watch. 
and have definitely had a habit of putting the girls in their place. And throughout his kind of life of the girlfriends, um, Hep's prior girlfriends would always be in the magazine. They'd have centerfolds, they'd have covers. And he learned quickly from his early 2000s crew that a lot of the women were agreeing to be his girlfriend solely because they had a shot of being in the magazine. The second their cover would come out or their centerfold would come out, they'd be gone, deuces. Bye, potato. <laughs> so he made sure he needed to keep his newer girlfriends in check. And he would tell Holly, you're not photogenic enough to be in the magazine when she would ask. And he pretty much told Bridget, it's never going to happen when she would ask to be in the magazine. And I remember watching as a kid, Bridget would be visibly upset and cry in these episodes, especially in the first season, about never being able to be in the magazine. And I always was curious, like, isn't half her boyfriend? Why Why can't she be in the magazine? You're dating the editor of the magazine you want to be in. And now I know how Hef was, so it makes a lot more sense. And re-watching it as an adult, it's actually really, really heartbreaking to see such a highly educated woman be so sad that this old man refused to put her in this honestly dying magazine. But, you know, it was a true goal of hers and it meant a lot to her. So it really is heartbreaking seeing her just being so disappointed that first season about not being able to ever be in Playboy. But Hef soon realized while filming season one, I mean, we have a hit on our hands and this is really, really going to take off. And he also knew that it would be a huge cash cow to feature the three women on the cover of Playboy. So of course, when he told the women, I'm gonna feature you in the magazine, they were so excited. Bridget started crying, she was so happy. They were jumping up and down and the magazine became an instant success. Everyone really, really loved them. So they wanted to see their feature in the magazine. I even own that magazine. Like it's a really, I think, iconic piece of pop culture. And Holly said that they were paid $25,000 to be in the magazine, which is actually the going rate for amateur models who pose for Playboy. And so that's the lowest rate for pictorials in the magazine. That's the lowest that they pay models is $25,000. And Holly said she was actually really disappointed because by then they were technically celebrities. They were reality television stars. I mean, people knew who they were. So she thought that they should get paid around the celebrity rate, which was around $100,000. So she was disappointed that it was the lowest pay rate possible, but it was just kind of another reiteration from Hef of you are not special. And Hef was quick to point out that the $25,000 included the payment for the pictorial and the 15 episodes of the first season that the ladies starred in. So that is a true uh, penny pincher child of the depression. He really got his two for one deal there, didn't he? And luckily, the ladies eventually signed better contracts in the future and began to actually bank some money while they were living in the mansion, which they should. They made that entire show. And though it was obvious that the viewers were totally smitten with the women, it was still apparent that the producers really wanted to paint Hef in this almost godlike 
light. He, they wanted to paint it that he was still very, very desirable to women all over the country, beautiful young women. And even if he didn't have his three girlfriends by his side, there was still flocks and flocks of women who were just dying to be around him. And on one of the episodes, it's an episode where all three of the girls go on a trip and they go to Holly's hometown. They go to Alaska. And the episode is spliced up where they'll show some scenes of the girls going on tours in Alaska and having a great time. And then they'll show Hef still at the mansion. And he's just surrounded still by all of these beautiful women and he's taking them through the mansion and he's like, oh, I'm never bored even when the girls are gone. And it shows, okay, we get it. You're still this old playboy and girls still wanna be around you. We'll show you having a great time traveling, which is the actual interesting content of the show, but we still wanna get the shots where Hef isn't home alone. He doesn't need these women to keep him company. He's got a flock of women in Los Angeles. And they also always showed that the girls thought Hef's lifestyle was so incredibly interesting. Like I said, I think it was what, every Monday was game night. And Kendra's like, we love just sitting in the mansion and playing dominoes with Hef. Like, that's what he loves to do. And that's what we love to do. So that's why we get along so well. And um, Kendra, I'm just going to lay it on the line. Kendra says herself she was a hardcore partier. She actually had a drug problem in high school. She literally lived to party. So something tells me that 19-year-old Kendra Wilkinson didn't want to live in Los Angeles and play dominoes with Hugh Hefner. I, she had to do it to live there. But like I said, they really just wanted to paint Hef in this incredible light. I was watching an episode recently. It was a Christmas episode. And the three girls and then a bunch of the playmates and Hef go to the playmate house because for a lot of the playmates who were shooting for the magazine, they would live in the house across the street from the mansion called the Playmate House. And they were at the Playmate House exchanging gifts. And they were talking about how Hef loves candy. And he was like pretending to lick this like tree-shaped lollipop. And I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if it was like sexual, but he was trying to make some type of joke. And honestly, the most it would render is kind of like that like like that nose exhale laugh. And if you were, but if you were gonna be really nice and lay it on thick, it would probably render that like corporate fake laugh, the like, <laughs> you know, just totally fake. But these girls, they were laughing so hard at this, like doubled over in laughter. And you can tell they were only doing it because he was the boss. He held pretty much their entire career in their hands so all of these like 10 beautiful women around this table are laughing so hard at this stupid joke honestly it reminded me there's an episode of the sopranos i think it's season five clearly i like my hbo shows and it's where tony realizes that he's not as funny as he thinks that he is and he realizes that his crew is only laughing so hard at his jokes because he's the boss and he's like sitting at the poker table and it's in slow motion and he just sees all of these people fake laughing because they don't even find this funny maybe they find it sort of humorous but they're all dying laughing and he realizes they're only laughing because i'm the captain and 
That is exactly the situation with Hef. That's the only reason they're laughing. But he liked to really seem like he was desirable. That was the job of these women, to make Hef seem like even 80 years old, we still want you. Which, come on, I mean, I could give into a little delusion, but this is just, this is too much even for me. And Hef really liked to make it seem like these women, the pinnacle of their life was being his girlfriend. Even on The Girls Next Door, if any of his former girlfriends would show up and hang out at the mansion, because he still remained friends with a lot of them. So sometimes you would see them hanging out with the girls on the show, and it would be like Jane, Hef's former girlfriend. Barbie Benton, Hef's former girlfriend. Like that is like the pinnacle of what they did in their life. That's their biggest accomplishment and what they're known for. It's just, it's so silly. And the show also made it seem like the three girls were complete best friends, which really couldn't be further from the truth. You see them get a lot closer as the series goes on. But in the first couple of seasons, you can tell that Kendra really did not mesh well with um, Holly and Bridget. And I don't know, I always thought that Holly and Bridget would be so fun to hang out with because, I don't know, they just liked everything I liked. Like they loved the paranormal and they would do ghost hunting or they do murder mystery or they loved movies and they loved Halloween. It just seemed so fun. They would always drive around in these antique cars and drive to different historical sites in Los Angeles and tour them. And I don't know, that is right up my alley. That's all I did in quarantine was go past different historical sites in Chicago to pass the time. Like I live for that stuff. Speaking of, if it's not too cold this week, I will walk by the old Playboy Mansion downtown on my way home from work and take some pictures and post it on the diving board Instagram. It might be next week because it's like so cold this week here in Chicago, but I'll take pictures of the original Playboy Mansion because if you don't know, the original Playboy Mansion was here in Chicago in the Gold Coast because Hef is from Chicago. He grew up here. So it's a really cool mansion to see. So I'll post that on the Diving Board Instagram. I don't know. I'm probably the only one interested in that, but it's fun to see. I don't know. But they just seemed really, really fun. But you can tell that Kendra was really more interested in partying and going out and having a good time, which obviously she should be. She's really, really young. She actually turned 21 in the mansion. So that's super fun and a really... You know, that's what you ought to do. You're living in Los Angeles and go out and have a good time. But you can see that she just wasn't interested in what they wanted to do. There was an episode where Bridget and Holly throw a party for their dogs. And you can tell Kendra is just so over it. She thinks it's the dumbest thing ever. And personally, at 30 years old, I would love to go to a birthday party for a dog and just sit and sip wine by a pool all day, but instead of being sweated on at a club. But like I said, much different age groups and Kendra just wanted to have a good time. But like I said, they did become closer as the seasons wore on. And I really think that was much to Hef's chagrin because he did not like to see the girls get along. He loved the idea of women fighting over him. He loved tension. Kendra actually tells a story and she told it to Holly saying that there was one time during a movie night that Hef came up to her and said, I'm really upset that you didn't sit closer to me during the movie night. 
And Kendra said, well, I mean, that's kind of Holly's spot. And I didn't want to step on Holly's toes and make her jealous or make her upset. And I guess Hef threw one of his classic 80-year-old temper tantrums and stomped his feet and says, I love the drama which mood put it on a t-shirt but i love watching like drama on reality television i don't want drama in my household but hef loved it and he just he loved when there was some underlying tension in the house which is just so crazy i mean do you never grow out of that even as an 80 year old man goodness gracious it is just too tragic and though the girls were really afraid to eventually go on a reality show, Holly actually said when she was on the show, her relationship with Hef had never been better because before the show, Hef would never travel. He would never go on trips. But to film content, he had to start taking the girls to other locations. So they went to Chicago a few times. They went to the Chicago Playboy offices when they were still here. They went to New York City for press tours. They would go to Spain, Germany, Paris, Italy. They went all over Europe. And that had never happened before. They were never really allowed to go on vacations. And like I said, Hef knew, okay, we have to spice up the show a little bit. So we're going to have to leave the mansion at some point. And Holly said that a lot of people think that having Hef as a boyfriend was having like the ultimate sugar daddy. She said like, like people think that's like hitting the lottery of sugar daddies, but she said it really wasn't. I mean, he liked to stay home a lot. They didn't travel before the show. And a lot of their gifts, if you look like Valentine's Day, all of their gifts were like Playboy merchandise. Like that's like dating a YouTuber and all he gives you for Valentine's Day is like his t-shirts and hoodies that he sells. I'd be like, okay, thanks Shane Dawson for the pig hoodie. What am I supposed to do with this? I mean, come on, come on. That's not really a gift. Like I get you get to live in a mansion, but can we talk about the Playboy Mansion? Okay. Oh my gosh, I need to take a deep breath before we talk about this. Like, I understand you're living in an iconic place and it's technically a mansion, but that place literally looked like a trap house. It literally looked like somewhere you would ride a bike up to and buy crack. For having so much staff, it was so ill-maintained. It was so dirty. There was dogs everywhere and they would pee on the carpet. You would see all of the stains when you watch the show that that carpet just looked filthy. Former girlfriend said it smelled so bad. It just smelled like dog urine all throughout the house. It was so cluttered because even Holly says Hef was such a pack rat and he kept everything. So everything was just so overfilled, so cluttered. It was just like honestly my worst nightmare. And they said that Hef never liked to throw out furniture. So all of the girls' rooms were just mismatched furniture. Like you would just went on a shopping spree at Goodwill and just threw in what you had. They said the mattresses were really old and she said the sheets were very old as well. Which girl, you're getting a thousand dollars a week. Can't you go to Target and get some new sheets? That's on you. But Holly said Hef would say, okay, you can redecorate your room, which you think, okay, gosh, I can give this room an overhaul. But that really was just painting it any of the few colors that Hef liked and he would give you a fresh set of carpets. And I really don't know what Hef's obsession with 
carpet was. Clearly, he did not like um, rollerblading around the house because he always wanted carpet, which is why the house smelled so bad. Pull that shit up and let's put down some hardwood floors. It, it would have been a massive upgrade. So I get it. You get to live in the Playboy Mansion, but that place looked worse for wear. And one of the awesome treats of this show is that you really got to see the women come into their own as the seasons went on. They started kind of doing more pursuits outside of the mansion. Holly had gotten a job as a Playmate photo editor for the magazine, and she really did such a great job of finding Playmates and really became a valuable asset to the magazine itself. And she said producers had actually praised her after season three and said, wow, you did a really good job at making it seem like this job was real. What she said was so offensive because it was a real job and she was doing a really, really great job at what she was doing for the magazine. And you know, Bridget was doing voiceover work, she was hosting, she was creating reels. Kendra had actually gotten her own manager, which she was the only one allowed to do that, and he was booking her outside work. Like I said, Kendra was the only one allowed to do that because Hef knew he had to kind of give her more of a lead as opposed to the other girls, or else she would up and leave if she didn't if she felt stifled. But the women were doing great, and as they were getting more and more confident, you could tell Hef was definitely more threatened. Holly said this is when Hef started becoming more and more abusive. He would make little comments here and there to kind of knock down the women's confidence. She said that even though Kendra was safe from a very long time, Hef started kind of chipping away at Kendra's confidence. He would tell her she had an overbite. He would tell her out of the blue that she had gained a little weight and should go back to the gym and work out a little bit more. And you know Kendra was extremely athletic on the show. She did not need to lose any weight, but he just didn't want the girls feeling too good about themselves. And he would say any press the girls wanted to do, it had to be approved by Hef. And the press needed to focus either solely around Hef, the show, or Playboy. It could never just be about themselves. And by the time season five rolled around, you can see that Hef really started to panic because he realized that the women had become really, really major television stars. And he was afraid that they were gonna go off on their own and leave the show and pursue their own television endeavors because why wouldn't they? I mean, why do they have to be under the thumb of Hugh Hefner? And Hef had arranged that the girls would all sign a contract with the Playboy production company. So that means that they could not do any direct negotiations with the E! Network themselves, meaning Hef had control over their television pursuits and therefore E! could not negotiate, theoretically, a better offer with the women. And Holly said that Hef was really, really adamant about this contract being signed right away by the women. And Holly said she didn't feel good about signing this contract because she basically said, I feel like I'm signing a contract that says I have to remain in a relationship with you. And I don't, I don't feel good about doing that. And Hef being super, super manipulative, he pulled out the classic line, if you care about me, you'll sign this contract. 
And Holly said, you know, she was so upset about it, but half kept stressing the urgency that you need to sign today or the E-Network could pull the show, which is just so not true. They would never pull their highest grossing show on the network and give such a tight deadline. And Bridget says that she also wanted to take some time to look over the agreement and show it to her lawyers, which is totally normal and smart, but half had bombarded her when she was in the shower and said, why haven't you signed this contract? Why haven't you signed this contract? And was basically screaming at her. So Bridget had to stand there soaking wet out of the shower, crying, signing this contract because half said that it was so urgent. And if they didn't sign it, they're not going to have a show. And Kendra was actually in the Dominican Republic at the time doing a club appearance because that was so big in 2009. And so she couldn't sign this contract. So there was actually rumblings around the mansion that one of the staff members had forged Kendra's signature on this contract. Of course, there's no proof of that, but I could totally see it happening. And it's just insane. There's no way that the network would have sent this contract over and said, you have one day to review and sign this. There is just absolutely no way. My career is in marketing and I have reviewed and drafted and submitted and signed hundreds of contracts, whether it was licensing agreements, promotional agreements, joint promotional agreements, NDAs, media agreements and talent agreements when we hire celebrities for commercials and we would never submit a talent agreement to a celebrity saying you need to sign this today that would never happen they go through rounds and rounds of edits and red lines even even after the product say it already launched, sometimes we're still working through the contract. So there is no way that a major network like E would send a contract and give that tight of a deadline. It just would never happen. Half made all of that up. And by season five, you could tell the girls kind of had one foot out the door. They were over it. Kendra wasn't adhering to the filming schedule. She had already started a really serious relationship with her future husband, Hank Basket. She had been seeing him for months. So anytime they'd go out for filming, a lot of times Kendra was not there. And then season five actually filmed in 2008 and the economy began to really, really crash and the recession was starting and Playboy Enterprises was not safe to this economy crash. And Holly said this is when half really started coming apart at the seams and was becoming really, really verbally and emotionally abusive he started becoming even more controlling than before. Holly and Bridget, they had actually planned a trip to Cabo to go to one of their friend's weddings who was a former playmate. And Holly actually expected Hef to say no to this offer, but she was really, really delighted when he said, yeah, you and Bridget can go to the wedding and stay overnight. But immediately when she said that they would also be attending the reception, which is what any normal wedding guest would do, Hef immediately rescinded the offer and said, you're not going to a reception. You're not going to a party. You're not going to a party without me. No, you cannot go to the wedding anymore. And that's how controlling he was. But also it's like, why listen to this old man? I just can't believe it. And it's like a man old enough to be your grandpa telling you that you can't go to a party when you're in your early 30s and late 20s. It's just... 
I could not imagine. I would spiral. I am not meant for this lifestyle. I'm, I'm too independent. I would go crazy. And Holly knew by this time that Bridget and Kendra were getting ready to leave the mansion. Bridget had actually met her now fiance while still living at the mansion. She actually dates Nick Carpenter. He's a horror movie director. He is so cute. Good for Bridget. He's like the perfect guy for her. And Kendra had actually gotten really serious with Hank Basket, and she actually became pregnant with her first child while she was living in the mansion. So Kendra was ready to get the hell out of there, and Bridget had also been offered her dream job hosting Bridget's sexiest speeches on the Travel Channel. So Holly knew that it was soon going to be that she would be alone with Hef in the mansion. And she thought this is what she'd always wanted. She always thought the problems in her relationship were because the other girls. She always thought if it was just Hef and I, everything would be great. And she really, for a period of time, wanted to get married to Hef and wanted to have a baby. And they were actually on fertility treatments. They were really genuinely trying to get pregnant. But they had tested half sperm and it came back that none of it was viable. He was just too old. And yeah, I mean, he's 80. So what did we really expect? And of course, looking back now, Holly is relieved that she didn't get pregnant with Hef's baby. But at the time, that's really what she wanted. And, and when she realized that her lifelong dream of becoming a mom was pretty much foiled because there was nothing viable coming out of this potato, she knew, like, I have to think about what is what else is the life outside of the mansion. And she also began to realize that when she was alone with Hef, he really was the shit stirrer. He was the person who was abusive. He was the person who liked to start arguments. It wasn't these other women. He was the one running the show and manipulating things. And Holly says a lot of people ask her, why didn't you just leave? Why would you stay in that situation? Why would you let this guy control you? Why would you let this guy manipulate you? Why didn't you just pack up and leave? And I really think if you're asking yourself that question, and this is no shade, but you've probably never been in a long-term relationship before because it's very, very hard to get out of a relationship when you've been with the person for years. Sometimes it takes a very, very long time until you just reach a breaking point or you have the confidence to just be like, okay, I'm done, bye, this is it. And luckily, Holly eventually did reach that point with the other girls as well. And Holly had actually started talking to a magician, Chris Angel. Remember Chris Angel Mind Freak? Oh my gosh, so early 2000s. And she started talking to him and she started realizing, you know, it was it was time to leave. And she too told Hef, okay, I'm going to start moving out of the mansion and I don't want to do this anymore. And she said after she told Hef that, she found a will on her bed. It was Hef's will and she was reading it and said that Hef had planned to leave her $3 million when he died. And Holly was like, wow, that's more money than I've ever seen but she said it turned her off so much because Hef felt that I can buy you I can buy your love I can buy your affection and I can buy your time to remain in this mansion and she said it just grossed her out so bad and she knew she was making the right decision to leave the mansion so when the final episode of season five rolled around which 
I like to think is pretty much the series finale. You see all of the girls going away. You see Bridget kind of going off on her Bridget's sexiest speeches and she's going to be traveling and Kendra talks about how she met Hank and she's leaving the mansion but you could tell they definitely leave the door open for Holly to come back because they just make it seem like she's going to Vegas to do a playmate shoot and doing a work trip and they made it very ambiguous because I think the producers didn't want to admit to themselves that Holly was actually going to leave so they did want to leave that door open in case she was going to come back for season six but holly says i was so ready to leave and if you have a keen eye in season six as she's saying bye to half like i'm going to vegas see you later she's literally wearing a chris angel hoodie so i mean girl was ready and that was a big middle finger to the whole thing i love holly madison so much but there's a continuity error in there as well, because as Kendra's saying bye to half on this last episode, you see on his bed that there's already pictures of the Shannon twins framed next to his bed. He had already invited them to live in the mansion, and they had already been booked to be in season six of the show, because Hef could not make it seem that all of these women left him all at once, and he was not the playboy that people thought he was. And on the last episode, they show, you know, the Sunday night movie night, and Carissa and Christina Shannon, the Shannon twins, walk in and just go, hi, Hef, and sit next to him. And he's like, I guess I'm back in the game. Because, of course, we have to feed into the gross narrative that women are always flocking after Hef. So the show soldiered on and there was a season six with the Shannon twins and Crystal Harris. And Crystal actually went on to marry Hef after the show was canceled. Um, she was actually originally a runaway bride and she actually left during movie night three days before their wedding because she had cold feet and said, I don't want to marry him. Basically for the same reasons that Holly cited. Super controlling, emotionally abusive, mean, and she left him high and dry, but eventually came back to him a little less than a year later, and they were married and stayed married until he died in 2017. And Crystal and the Shannon twins, they talk about their time in the mansion, and Crystal is not in Secrets of Playboy, but the Shannon twins are, and they drop some huge bombshell. So I definitely suggest checking that out. But Crystal said it was very, very creepy in the mansion and that Hef would take pictures of any woman who was in his bedroom and kept all of the Polaroids. And she actually said that when she found them, she destroyed all of them so that Hef couldn't hold that over any of these women's heads. So, so a lot of these women who Hef was involved with have a lot of pretty disturbing experiences and stories about what happened with Hef during their time at the mansion, whether whether it was you know emotional abuse, verbal abuse, SA, there's a lot of pretty harrowing stuff. Holly actually wrote a book in 2015 called Down the Rabbit Hole about her time at the mansion and really, really details a lot of her experiences. And there was a lot of backlash from Kendra. Kendra said it was all lies. It was all made up. She was, you know, an ugly duckling and half turned her into a swan. How dare she be talking badly against half? And I'm sorry, but Kendra, just because you were favored by half, 
stuff and you had good experiences with him does not discount what countless women say happened at the hands of Hugh Hefner. Here on the Diving Board Podcast, we believe survivors. So I don't appreciate the narrative of shutting down all of these women just because Kendra had good experiences with Hugh Hefner. That's just not okay. We need to support women and when they're really brave and talk about what a really, really powerful man did to them. And Kendra is honestly in the minority of not sharing stories about what Hef did. So I'm going to believe all of the women who came out. And The Girls Next Door, since it was so successful, it spawned many spinoff shows, including Bridget's Sexiest Beaches, Kendra, Kendra on Top, chronicling Kendra's marriage and her two kids. And it also spawned the show Holly's World, which chronicled Holly's move to Vegas and her show on the Vegas Strip called Peep Show. And I loved that show. I saw it in 2011. It was a burlesque show, all led by Holly Madison. It was so fun. I miss Vegas 10 years ago with all of those fun celebrity shows. It was such a good show. And I was so proud of Holly seeing her just be able to lead this on her own. And she really shows she has amazing talent outside of the mansion. Present day Holly, she has a really popular YouTube channel, which obviously I love because I am obsessed with Holly Madison, so I definitely watch that YouTube channel regularly. She has wrote several best-selling books, and she also has two kids. She has a daughter named Rainbow and a boy named Forrest, because of course she has a daughter named Rainbow. I mean, that's classic Holly Madison, so cute. So Kendra went on to star in a ton of reality shows. She also wrote a book, and she also has two kids, a boy and a girl, and her kids are so cute. Her daughter daughter looks exactly like her like the her kids are adorable and she wound up getting divorced from Hank Basket there was a big cheating scandal and they tried to work through it but it just didn't work out so they wound up getting divorced but she's actually trying her hand at real estate now and she has a new show called Kendra Sells Hollywood which I haven't actually watched yet I saw it's on Prime so maybe I will turn it on tonight to be in the spirit of the girls next door and we'll see how it is. And Bridget also has a paranormal podcast called Ghost Magnet, which is absolutely perfect for her. We know that uh, Bridget was always obsessed with Halloween and Elvira and ghosts. So really, really fun podcast and super interesting. And unfortunately, her little dog Wednesday, who she got as a puppy on the show, unfortunately passed away, I believe, in either 2019 or 2020. So, so sad to hear that, but we wish Wednesday Godspeed at the Rainbow Bridge, and we hope she is resting in peace. We love Wednesday here on the Diving Board Podcast. And as for Hef, he wound up passing away in 2017 at 91 years old. And a billionaire has actually purchased the Playboy Mansion. It's the co-owner of Hostess Brands, and he is currently renovating it, which, girl, you have your work cut out for you. We wish you Godspeed on that renovation. And that is the story of The Girls Next Door. Such an interesting moment in pop culture. Such a scandalous moment, too. Like So much that went on behind closed doors that 
none of us ever knew until recent years. And I really think the moral of this story is that these women, even though the show The Girls Next Door opened up so many doors for them, they did not need half to be successful in life. They've all done truly amazing things in their careers and did a lot of amazing things on their own after the mansion. You don't need to be supported and controlled by an 80-year-old potato to achieve your dreams. I mean, you really can do it all on your own. You just have to trust in yourself and believe in yourself and just run full force towards your goals and your dreams, and you are more than capable of achieving them all on your own independently. And I think that's the really big takeaway here because I certainly believe in all of my divers and I think we can achieve so much on our own and I really think the sky is the limit or maybe the ocean floor is the limit. So <laughs> truly before I go on my motivational speech, I want to thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned a lot. And if you enjoyed listening to this, I would so appreciate if you rated me five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined to write me a review on Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate that so much. It just makes the podcasts look a little bit more legitimate and motivates people to give it a listen. Also, if you want to keep up with the podcast, please feel free to follow on Apple or Spotify and also on the podcast Instagram at divingboardpod. That is B-O-R-E-D. I love posting on that, so I would love if you joined our family. And thank you so much again. This was so fun, and I can't wait to dive again. So until then, I will see you all next week. Take care, everyone.